0: You are listening to The Current Podcast, the official podcast of UC San Diego's IT Services Department. I'm your host, Miguel Rodriguez. Today is Wednesday, October 20th, and all at once summer collapsed into fall. That's from Oscar Wilde. Don't forget applications for the Leadership Learning Program, or LLP, are now being accepted. This year-long class is a leadership journey focused on organizational and personal excellence. Visit the homepage of thecurrent.ucsd.edu for more information on the class and how to apply. It's also homecoming week. You'll be treated to a week-long lineup of 20-plus athletic events, virtual tournaments and races, a live outdoor concert, class reunions, and more. Homecoming is not just for Triton alums. Current student, faculty, and staff are welcome and encouraged to participate. Get thee to homecoming.ucsd.edu for all the information. Homecoming has a different ring to it this fall, doesn't it? And finally, dear listener... A few more town halls are coming up. Tomorrow, October 21st, is Vacunas contra el COVID-19. That's right, a vaccine town hall presented in Spanish. And October 27th is the next staff town hall, while the next faculty and research town hall is November 2nd. Return to learn.ucsd.edu has all the registration details. And on to today's interview. Take it away, Angie.
1: Hello everyone, Angie Lou here, one of the project managers from the PPMO office, also resident interviewer on the pod squad. I'm here with Chuck. Hi, Chuck. Hey, hey. Hello, thanks for joining us today. We're here to talk about Chuck's team, and just trying to you know share a little bit about what they've been doing so let's start actually Chuck with your full name title and how long you've been at UCSD
2: yeah definitely thanks for having me Angie I've uh, I've listened to a bunch of podcasts so it's uh, it's cool to be a uh, a featured guest so sort of. <laughs> so yeah so Chuck Davis uh, director of software quality assurance and build and release services or better known as QA and BAR been at UCSD since January of 2020 so I'm coming up on my 2 year anniversary this January
1: All right congrats congrats on the 2 year anniversary Thank Chuck you. I'm hearing kind of an accent where are you from
2: Yeah Boston I try to hide it a little bit but um, <laughs> you know I think everybody knows as soon as I get passionate about something and I start you know diving into it the accent comes out you know pack your can the habit yad type thing <laughs>
1: Chuck, I assume you're a Red Sox fan, yes?
2: You know, here's the funny thing. (laughs) I actually am not. My dad what? is probably the biggest Red Sox fan you'd ever meet. And I don't know how it, how it happened, but I actually became a Yankees fan, which is like, you know, you know, I mean, in Boston, <laughs> coming from Boston is like, you know, almost like a sin, but, but that's the only team I'm a diehard Celtics, Bruins mm. and Patriots fan, of course. But yeah, but, but, uh, but yeah, the Yankees, which, you know, this year, the Red Sox beat the Yankees. Going, I was going
1: to say, I was about to congratulate Indiana. you. Yeah, no,
2: but it's, it's cool. I mean, it's always good. To uh to see the Boston teams do well, even if I'm on the uh on the dark side for is what they would call the Yankees fans in Boston there. But yeah, but it's cool. It's good to see, you know, any any Boston team winning. And I know there's no love loss for the rest of the country because they're like you guys have won enough championships, but <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Go Pats. I
1: know we're gonna have to talk on you know, offline about the Celtic Lakers Barbara oh, yeah.
2: too. Oh, definitely. Oh,
1: they both have what, 17 rings apiece now?
2: Yeah, yeah. It's in uh, you know, it, I mean, you're talking about the the. the best two franchises in basketball right there. So, I mean, there's lots to talk about.
1: <laughs> another podcast, right? Definitely. All right, Chuck. Well, thanks. Before we get into the questions about your teams, can you share a little bit about where you come from or where'd you work before?
2: Yeah, definitely. So, you know, like I was saying, you know, born and raised in Massachusetts and I spent, you know, the first 18 years, you know, a little bit, um, west of Boston and, you know, and then basically, you know, from the time I was 18 until the time I moved out here to California, which was about five years ago. So another 20 years in Boston, um, I worked for a bunch of different companies. I started at Bose. Then I went to another company uh, called Omgeo, which was in, within Thomson Reuters, which is like a financial company. And then uh, I worked for another company called Tango, which did uh, software as a service. And then I actually moved out to California um, and got hired hired by GoPro, actually. And they moved me out to California. So I was there for a little while. And then I uh, transitioned to work for Taco Bell up in Irvine for, for about three years. And that was the last place that I worked before UCSD. So I've bounced all over consumer electronics, you know, uh, uh, I mean, the food stuff to financial and, you know, software as a service, business to business stuff. So I've, I've pretty much had, you know, the experience across the board there.
1: Oh, wow. That is a wide range in your portfolio of different companies.
2: Oh, definitely. But it's cool. It's always interesting, right? Like an education for me, which was one of the things that really drew me to UCSD was that's one of the things I had never done before. And I thought it was cool to like sort of make an impact and the product and things that you're working on can really sort of help serve the community and sort of the next generation of of leaders in our world right so I mean what a better better thing to work on right
1: that's deep Chuck (laughs) that's real deep there Did you always do QA? Yeah. Is is that what you did with those companies?
2: I did. I did. I actually am probably like one of the few people that you'll meet that literally started their first job like out of college in QA and have kept with it ever since. Yeah, it was a a sort of a funny thing. A friend of mine got a job at Bose and, you know, and it was during the dot-com age. And so it was really tough to get a job out of college, especially as a software person. So I was actually working in the crate and barrel in the stock room, literally stocking boxes and unloading 18 wheelers. And I, and I saw him in a doctor's office oddly enough and you know after this was about four months after we graduated and you know we obviously were you know shooting the breeze and he was like hey we actually have some openings at Bose for contract positions are you interested I'm like yeah what are you doing he's like well QA I'm like "I'm like questions and answers what's that about and he's like no QA, like quality assurance dude and I and you know that wasn't even a thing back then and so um you know so I was obviously interested because they were kicking up their software department and that's sort of how I got into it and you know we had a six-person QA team when I started there in like 2002 and when I left in 2008, there was over 200 people. So I really cut my teeth, you know, not only in QA, but leadership there. So it was uh it was a great place to start. Great memories, good people, you know, brilliant minds. And so, you know, that was sort of how I fell into QA really.
1: Wow. Wow. So Chuck, for some of us who aren't so used to QA and the fact that it doesn't mean question and answer, <laughs> and answers, <yeah. laughs> what is QA?
2: Yeah. So QA, um, I mean, the easiest way to, to describe it is like, we're the first line of, defense for our end users. And and I guess, so what I mean by that is any intended functionality in which you would want your end users to, to, to use during their normal everyday, And that can be from like the accounting department to, you know, like whatever it is that they're doing, you want to make sure that all those things actually work correctly. Right. And, and, and not only that, you want to make sure that other things negatively work correctly. And what I mean by that Hmm. is like, you enter like a wrong password, right? You do that on purpose, just to make sure that it doesn't let you in. Right. Mm-hmm. And so those are types, some of the types of things that like how QA people go a little bit further than just thinking about, okay, what are the specific things that need to work on this? Right. But that's the main thing we do. We try to make sure that the product is good to go, you know, before the end user gets it. That's awesome. Appreciate
1: that you guys are doing that, right? The first line of defense. So
2: no, I was just going <laughs> to say, that's probably the easiest way to describe it is just the first line of defense. Cause we're the first users of it before the, the sort of the customer gets it. So it's, uh, that's like the easiest way to like, you know, bridge the gap with like maybe the, the, the end customer, you know?
1: okay nice Chuck, can you tell us about the QA team who's on your team and maybe some projects that you guys are working on
2: yeah yeah so QA team um hopefully I get everybody so Tony Drake which you know he's a podcast resident yes Tony Drake yeah so he's great so um we have Shannon Crawford Harini Sundaram Shelly Sanis and then our most recent hire was Keith Fisher and so, you know, that we're pretty small QA team. And then on the bar side, you have Sven Lindquist, um, you know, uh GT Smith and then Long Tat Thong. And and, mm. you know, like so small teams, right? But we do a lot of work, right? And uh so the QA team specifically, you know, we're mainly working on automation right now for, for the OSC regression tests, and rich and really what that supports is like uh, Oracle puts out a quarterly release, um, you know, four times a year, obviously. And you know, we have to support that from, from our side to make sure sure. that it's good to go from our end users and these are upgrades that we we don't have a choice in right like we're gonna get them automatically and Mm so we've been working on making sure that those are automated so we can run them like very quick and sort of react to things before we actually get the production release um but we've been getting involved in a lot of other things as well um from just things like like leveraging our qa ability to help with like business processes so there was a tool that we just recreated for direct retros right and basically it's used by our accounting and finance departments. And um, and what this tool basically does is it takes like a business process and um and it's a lot of tedious like entering off of data sheets into the actual UI and then going through and sending it through the workflow to, to approval. Right. And that used to take like endless hours, right? And so now when we have that automation that runs at night and literally automates like 90% of the process for those people that had actually had to do it. So the amount of time that they save is sort of paramount. And the cool thing is is other, um, I guess, like accounting and finance departments within UCSD can can leverage that tool as well. So that's just, I guess, like one other thing that we're doing. But we have a lot of things on the horizon coming from like the student project to getting back involved with Kuali heavily. Um, you know, more of this like business automation stuff that we can help out. And then there's also some UC Path stuff. So we take take part in a couple of these little uh, workshops that are sort of across um, colleges. Um, and so we we contribute to that as well. So we sort of have our hands in everything. But the know, there's certainly plenty of room to grow for us. I'll say that.
1: Awesome. Chuck, I see this thing called Qmetry in JIRA. It's like a plugin or something like that. What is that?
2: Yeah. So good question. So Qmetry is our main test case management tool. And so what that is, is is basically we have all these test cases that, that, you know, are created for how the product functions and we need to execute those. Now, what I was talking about automation before is making sure that we could do that using computers versus having like a person do it. Right. But Mm -hmm. in order to get to that, point need to write all these steps down and figure out how you would do it as an actual user and where all all that stuff is stored, you know, basically as our test case management tool, Qmetry. Now it does a lot more than that, right? We have analytics, we have organization, test runs, where you put results in, linking to JIRA. We can create bugs directly in Qmetry and those enter to JIRA or ITS Pro um, and they're all linked back and forth. And so what you were talking about is, you know, within uh, ITS Pro or JIRA, you can go down and actually see the Qmetry test case there and what the results are and if there's any bugs linked to it and things like that. So it brings a lot of rich functionality. The other thing it does and what it's going to do for us, another thing on the QA horizon is we run our automated tests. We're going to actually send those results into QMetric using an API. And so we'll be able to sort of capture all of our test runs over time and, and analyze those analytics or seeing like where there's problematic areas when, you know, potentially things are changed in certain areas. So it'll help help give us like almost a little bit of predictive analysis on what's going on way. So, so yeah, so there's a lot of power in it and, uh, and it's actually really the, one of the only tools we actually pay for Angie. Most of the QA tools that we use are free. And so Qmetry is actually one of those tools that we pay for just because the rich functionality within mm. it, and how it, how it integrates with like all of our other tool sets that are out there. So that's awesome. it in a, in a nutshell.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure if others have questions about it, they could contact you about it. Yeah, right? absolutely.
2: Okay. Yeah, okay. absolutely. By all means, I, I love to talk about this <laughs> stuff as you can tell.
1: <laughs> oh, I can't tell Chuck. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, Chuck. What about bars? What does bars, bars mean? <laughs>
2: uh, well, it's a good place to go drinking. But other than that, no. Uh, um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, no. Yeah, that's a my dad joke right there. Um, no, <laughs> so build and release services, right? Or basically, you know, when we sum it up, it's how we get software deployed to our QA and production environments, right? And bars is the team that actually facilitates those deployments, right? It, and, and not only that, but, you know, as part of actually Deploying that software, we have to use a lot of tool sets, right? And which means those tool sets need to be managed, um, and and that's everything from users to upgrades to security patches, you know, to overall process of how things flows to the integrations of those tools to actually get it to our uh, QA or production environment. And so we do a management of all those tool sets as well. So and then we work alongside, you know, our partners like DIS and the on our development teams to come up with our processes that we're going to follow like even outside of those tools just from an SDLC standpoint so so bars actually has their hands in a lot of things
1: earlier you said the QA and prod environments what about dev or sandbox right i mean you, we don't have those tools in there
2: we we so so good question so we don't right and that's actually done purposely Um, so in development you know obviously developers that's their sort of playground right that's where they're going to develop their code try things out they want to you know have full control and you know they're checking in and and making changes like constantly and to have sort of a third party in there facilitating that just would really slow up the process Mm. and it's sort of not needed and so that's why we really only concentrate on QA and production um, because we sort of you know let the developers like have at it in their own environments, so to speak, which is the right thing to do really.
1: Okay. So what kind of projects um, does the bars team work on? Like what kind of services are you guys supporting?
2: Yeah, sure. So most projects, <laughs> and I really mean that in, in like the sense of, of software, right? Um, we, we literally are involved in almost everything in the way that that software gets to our, um, you know, environments. Right. And we've most recently, we've been using, uh, you know, a new technology uh, called Airflow and that's really for Or you know, um, development and deployment of orchestrating like pipelines and workflows and scheduling and and monitors um, and monitoring as well. And so like, it's like one of those things where it's, how do we get the software out there as efficient, you know, predictable and reliable as possible. And so we use a bunch of different tools to to do this. We also have NiFi as well, and then different environments, um, which is uh, EKS as well. It's just one of the tool sets that we, um, you know, that we're bringing up as like a, a new technology, um, you know, mm. working alongside the development team and DIS as well. So, you know, and that's outside of, of just like normal deployments of, of code. So, you know, we're, we're sort of involved in anything from like the technology infrastructure type side, you know, because even if it's just development of a new project or product, um, most likely they're going to have to deploy that. So we're going to have to get involved there. So it's sort of nice. Almost, we're not really gatekeepers, but we see everything that's going out there for our group. Group, which is nice
1: so yes you weren't joking right it really oh. is most projects
2: yeah yep definitely awesome
1: uh so note to self keep the bar team happy
2: yep definitely <laughs> that's a good thing <laughs> we get a lot of help, you know. They, I'll say this: the development teams, um, you know, and DIS and some of the other teams that we work with, they're great partners, right? Like they're always, you know, willing to help out, um, you know, if we need it, right? Because again, we are a three-man team over there, so you know, when you think about the amount of workload that they handle for the small amount of people that they have, it's 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 really incredible. So, but our partners help us out a lot. So I'll, I'll certainly say that.
1: Oh, thanks, Chuck. Now that you helped me understand a little more about. Your two teams, right, QA and bars. How do sure. they fit in the big picture of what IT services is trying to do?
2: Yeah,
1: uh, <laughs> That's a loaded okay. question. Everything huh? I, yeah,
2: everything I said in the last twenty minutes or whatever it was. Yeah, no, um, <laughs> no, it really is. It's sort of like on both sides of the picture, right? And maybe not both sides, but one side of the picture, right? Like uh, Bars is involved, like with development early, trying to figure out these pipelines and how they're going to get the code deployed and things like that. And the development team is, you know, hard at work, you know, developing those those feature sets or integrations or products or whatever it is, you know. And then it's going to QA. QA is taking it through the paces, and then Bars is getting involved to actually deploy that, right? So it's like sort of the before middle and after is where those teams really come into play the beginning, which I guess you could put the development team that you know, where they're actually creating it. So if you look at it from that standpoint, that's sort of, I guess, where it comes into play in terms of like getting our software out there, right?
1: Mm. Okay, awesome. Is there anything else you want to share any other shout outs to any other team members or?
2: Yeah, yeah, no, Um, I would say the one other group that we that we really partner with that I didn't sort of mention here. Is the, the change control board? So the cab run by Gino. Mm, um, Gino. So, yeah. So everybody sort of knows Gino. And so for, for us, for when we go to the production, um, before we go there, um, like before we actually deploy it, right? Because we could deploy it, you know, like whenever, right? But we, mm-hmm. we make sure that we get the proper approvals in place before we do that. And really, Gino's cab process. Um, you know, and sort of, um, you know, tracking and approvals and things like that. And everything in Snow, like that he facilitates, that's a key thing that that drives bars to actually deploy these things to production. So we don't deploy anything unless we get the cab approval first. And so that's just, I guess, another group I wanted to shout out. That's a partner of ours. (laughs) That's um, very, like, you know, integral as part of that. Like our process overall. And so, um and you know, Gino does a great job, you know, what, managing all that and uh, working alongside him. So, so shout out to those guys as well.
1: All right. Oh, thanks, Chuck, for coming on to the podcast.
2: No problem. Thanks for having me, Angie. I uh, hopefully I'll be able to come back in the future and give you guys some updates when we start doing some more cool stuff, I guess, in addition to what we're doing. But if anybody has any questions on bars or QA or anything like that, by all means, feel free to reach out to me at any time. More than happy to chat. On it. I love this stuff.
0: I sure hope you're enjoying this podcast. Remember to let your fellow IT services staff members know that this podcast exists. Get everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you can get your podcasts. This podcast is a collaborative effort, and we want to hear from you. If you have any ideas for podcasts or topics, send them to me at ITS podcast at UCSD. That's it for today. Keep an ear out for the next episode of The Current Daily.